Coffee Net podcast. We're so glad that you joined us for our Revive by the Word episode today. Welcome, Bronwyn. Kia ora. I'm Bronwyn, and I'm so excited about reading to you the Word of God. And um, in Psalm 119, it says, Revive me by your word, just like you promised you would. So come and join in and listen and be revived by his word. Matthew chapter 18 At that time the disciples came to ask Jesus, Who is considered to be the greatest in heaven's kingdom realm? Jesus called a little one to his side and said to them, Learn this well. Unless you dramatically change your way of thinking and become teachable and learn about heaven's kingdom realm with the wide-eyed wonder of a child, you will never be able to enter in. Whoever continually humbles himself to become like this gentle child is the greatest one in heaven's kingdom realm. And if you tenderly care for this little one on my behalf, you are tenderly caring for me. But if anyone abuses one of these little ones who believe in me, it would be better for him to have a heavy boulder tied around his neck and be hurled into the deepest sea than to face the punishment he deserves. Misery will come to the one who lures people away into sin. Troubles and obstacles to your faith are inevitable, but great devastation will come to the one guilty of causing others to leave the path of righteousness. If your hand clings to sin, cut it off and throw it away. If your foot continually steps onto sin's path, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better for you to enter into heaven crippled and maimed than to have both hands and both feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye is always focusing on sin, pluck it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to enter into heaven with one eye than to be thrown into hell fire with two. Be careful that you do not corrupt one of these little ones. For I can assure you that in heaven each of their angelic guardians have instant access to my heavenly Father. The Son of Man has come to give life to anyone who is lost. Think of it this way. If a man owns a hundred sheep and one lamb wanders away and it is lost, won't he leave the ninety-nine grazing on the hillside and go out and thoroughly search for the one lost lamb? And if if he finds his lost lamb, he rejoices over it, more than over the ninety-nine who are safe. Now you should understand that it is never the desire of your heavenly Father that a single one of these humble believers should be lost. If your fellow believers sins against you, you must go to that one privately and attempt to resolve the matter. If he responds, your relationship is restored. But if his heart is closed to you, then go to him again, taking one or two others with you. You'll be fulfilling what the scripture teaches when it says, every word may be verified by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And if he refuses to listen, then share the issue with the entire church in hopes of restoration. If he still refuses to respond, disregarding the fellowship of his church family, you must disregard him as though he were an outsider on the same level as an unrepentant sinner. Receive this truth. 
Whatever you forbid on earth will be considered to be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you release on earth will be considered to be released in heaven. Again, I give you an eternal truth. If two of you agree to ask God for something in a symphony of prayer, my heavenly Father will do it for you. For wherever two or three come together in honour of my name, I am right there with them. Later Peter approached Jesus and said, How many times do I have to forgive my fellow believer who keeps offending me? Seven times? Jesus answered, Not seven times, Peter, but seventy times seven times. The lesson of forgiveness as in heaven's kingdom realm can be illustrated like this. There once was a king who had servants who had borrowed money from the royal treasury. He decided to settle accounts with each of them. As he began the process, it came to his attention that one of his servants owned him one billion dollars. So he summoned the servant before him and said to him, Pay me what you owe me. When his servant was unable to repay the debt, the king ordered that he be sold as a slave along with his wife and children and every possession they owned as payment towards his debt. The servant threw himself face down at his master's feet and begged for mercy. Please be patient with me. Just give me more time and I will repay all that I owe. Upon hearing his pleas, the king had compassion on his servant and released him, and forgave his entire debt. No sooner had the servant left when he met one of his fellow servants who owned him $20,000. He seized him by the throat and began to choke him, saying, You'd better pay me right now everything you owe me. His fellow servant threw himself face down at his feet, and begged, please be patient with me. If you'll just give me more time, I will repay you all that is owed. But the one who had had his debt forgiven stubbornly refused to forgive what was owed him. He had his fellow servant thrown into prison and demanded he remain there until he repaid the debt in full. When his associates saw what was going on, they were outraged and went to the king and told him the whole story. The king said to him, You scoundrel, is this the way you respond to my mercy? Because you begged me, I forgave you the massive debt you owed, that you owed me. Why didn't you show the same mercy to your fellow servant that I showed you? In a fury of anger, the king turned him over to the prison guards to be tortured until all his debt was repaid. In the same way, my heavenly father will deal with any of you if you do not release forgiveness from your heart toward your fellow believer. Chapter 19 After Jesus finished teaching them, he left Galilee and made his way towards the district of Judea, east of the Jordan River. Massive crowds followed him and he healed all who were sick. The Pharisees were intent on putting Jesus to the test with difficult questions, so they approached him and asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason? Haven't you read the scriptures about creation, Jesus replied. The creator made us male and female from the very beginning. And for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and live with his wife. And the two will become one flesh. 
From then on, they are no longer two, but united as one. So what God unites, let no one divide. They responded, So then, why did Moses' command command us to give us a certificate of divorce and it would be lawful? Jesus said, Moses permitted you to divorce because your hearts are so hard and stubborn, but originally there was no such thing. But I say to you, whoever leaves his wife for any other reason other than immorality, then takes another wife as living in adultery. And whoever takes a divorced woman in marriage is also living in adultery. His disciples spoke up and said, If this is the standard, then it seems better to never get married. Not everyone is meant to remain single, only those whom God gives grace to be unmarried. For some are born to celibacy, others have been made eunuchs by others. And there are those who have some who have chosen to live in celibacy for the sacred purpose of heaven's kingdom realm. Let those who can accept this truth for themselves. Then they brought little children to Jesus so that he would lay his hands on them, bless them and pray for them. But the disciples scolded those who brought the children, saying, Don't bother him with this now. Jesus overheard them and said, I want little children to come to me, so never interfere with them when they want to come, for heaven's kingdom realm is composed of beloved ones like these. Listen to this truth. No one will enter the kingdom realm of heaven unless he becomes like one of these. Then he laid his hands on each of them and went on his way. Then a teenager approached Jesus and bowed before him, saying, Wonderful teacher, is there a good work I have to do to obtain eternal life? Jesus answered, Why would you call me wonderful? God alone is wonderful. And why would you ask what good work you need to do? Keep the commandments and you'll enter into the life of God. Which ones, he asked. Jesus said, don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie. Honour your father and mother and love those around you as you love yourself. But I've always obeyed every one of them without fail, the young man replied. What else do I lack? Jesus said to him, If you really want to be perfect, go immediately and sell everything you own. Give all your money to the poor, and your treasure will be transferred into heaven. Then come back and follow me for the rest of your life. When the young man heard these words, he walked away angry, for he was extremely wealthy. Then Jesus turned to his disciples and said, Listen, do you understand how difficult it is for the rich to enter into heaven's kingdom realm? In fact, it's easier to stuff a heavy rope through the eye of a needle than it is for the wealthy to enter into God's kingdom realm. Stunned and bewildered, his disciples asked, Then who in the world can possibly be saved? Looking straight into their eyes, Jesus replied, Humanly speaking, no one because no one can save himself. But what seems impossible to you is never impossible to God. Then Peter blurted out, Here we are, we've given up everything to follow you. What reward will, will there be for us? Jesus responded, Listen to the truth. 
in the age of the restoration of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will have the twelve thrones of your own, and you will govern the twelve tribes of Israel. For anyone who has left behind their home and property, leaving family, brothers or sisters, mothers or fathers or children for my sake, will be repaid a hundred times over and will inherit eternal life. But many who push themselves to be first will find themselves last, and those who are willing to be last will find themselves to be first. Chapter 20 This will help you understand the way heaven's kingdom operates. There was once a wealthy landowner who went out at daybreak to hire all the labourers he could find to work in his vineyard. After agreeing to pay them the standard day's wage, he put them to work. Then at nine o'clock, as he was passing through the town square, he found others standing around without work. He told them, come and work for me in my vineyard and I'll pay you a fair wage. So off they went to join the others. He did the same thing at noon and again at three o'clock, making the same arrangement as he did with the others. Hoping to finish his harvest that day, he went to the town square again at five o'clock and found more men who were idle. So he said to them, Why have you been here all day without work? Because no one hired us, they answered. So he said to them, Then go and join my crew and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard went to his foreman and said, Call in all the labourers, line them up and pay them the same wages, starting with the most recent ones I hired and finishing with the ones who worked all day. When those hired late in the day came to be paid, they were given a full day's wage, and when those who had been hired first came to be paid, they were convinced that they would receive more, but everyone was paid the standard wage. When they realised what had happened, they were offended and complained to the landowner, saying, You're treating us unfairly. They've only worked for one hour while we've slaved and sweated all day under the scorching sun. You've made them equal to us. The landowner replied, Friends, I'm not being unfair. I'm doing exactly what I said. Didn't you agree to work for the standard wage? If I wanted to give those who only worked for an hour equal pay, what does that matter to you? Don't I have the right to do what I want with what is mine? Why should my generosity make you jealous of them? Now you can understand what I meant when I said that the first will be last and the last will end up being first. Everyone is invited, but few are the chosen. Jesus was about to go to Jerusalem, so he took his twelve disciples aside privately and said to them, Listen to me, we're on our way to Jerusalem, and I need to remind you that the Son of Man will be handed over to the religious leaders and scholars, and they will sentence him to be crucified. And they will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, tortured, and crucified. Yet, three days later, he will be raised to life again. The wife of Zebedee approached Jesus with her sons Jacob and John. She knelt before him and asked him for a favour. He said to her, What is it that you want? She answered, Make the decree. 
that these my sons will rule, rule with you in your kingdom, one sitting on your right hand, one on your left. Jesus replied, you don't know what you are asking. Then looking in the eyes of Jacob and John, Jesus said, are you prepared to drink from the cup of suffering that I am about to drink? And are you able to endure the baptism into death that I am about to endure? They answered him, Yes, we are able. You will indeed drink the cup of my suffering and be immersed into my death, Jesus told them. But to be the ones who sit at the place of highest honour is not mine to decide. My Father is the one who chooses them and prepares them. The other ten disciples were listening to all of this, and a jealous anger arose among them against the two brothers. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, called them to his side and said, Kings and those with great authority in this world rule oppressively over their subjects like tyrants. But this is not your calling. You will lead by a completely different model. The greatest one among you will live as the one who is called to serve others, because the greatest honour and authority is reserved for the one with the heart of a servant. For even the Son of Man did not come expecting to be served by everyone, has but to serve everyone, and to give his life in exchange for the salvation of many. As Jesus approached Jericho, an immense crowd gathered and followed him, and there were two blind men sitting on the roadside. When they heard it was Jesus passing by, they shouted, Son of David, show us mercy. Those in the crowd scolded them and told them to be quiet, but the blind men screamed out even louder, Jesus, Son of David, show mercy, Lord. So Jesus stopped and had them brought to him. He asked them, what do you want me to do for you? They said, Lord, we want to see, heal us. Jesus was deeply moved with compassion toward them. So he touched their eyes and instantly they could see. Jesus said to them, your faith has healed you. And all the people praised God because of this miracle. And the two men became his followers from that day onward. <music>